The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth had heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for for me and his holy name. And in his mercy, for those who fear him from generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. The gospel of our Lord. Awesome. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, If I have not met you before, my name is Drew. I'm the pastor of discipleship here, and for everyone else, a part of the One Fellowship family. Um, It is great to see you. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And I love that we are entering this season of Advent. So good to see you this morning. Um, Hope. Hope. Let's start there. This is a word that we use often. I hope you feel better. I I hope I get an A in that class. I I hope they like me. I hope I can make a difference in the world. I hope their marriage makes it. I, I hope I get that raise. I hope it works out. I hope We have enough. I hope things get better. I hope things don't get worse. I hope. Every day we use this small, magical word, hope. It's tough to live even a day without hope. The belief that better days are ahead that actually changes us in the present. The way we think, the way we do life, the way we process. And whether you're a Christian or not, We would all agree that hope is a very powerful thing and a necessary thing in a world like ours that is so clearly broken. And this year, more than any other in my lifetime, has shown this great need for hope and what a large gap there can be at times when it comes to hope. It hasn't been an easy year. I think we can just admit that. That's not a a mind boggler this morning. This year, more than um, any other, for many, if not all, has been a year filled with some unique challenges, filled with pain, filled with doubts, filled with fears, with frustrations, with grief, with uncertainty. We're desperately looking for answers. We're desperately looking for hope. And as we get closer to the end of a year that none of us expected, we continue to ask some of life's most important questions, questions that we could easily take for granted in years past, but we are actually stopping 
to reflect on more intentionally, more thoughtfully now. And one of those questions we're going to look at today as we enter into this season of Advent. That when our footing is solid, when our footing is shaky, when things make sense, when they don't, in seasons of grief, in seasons of joy, this question, where is my hope found? It's a big question. It may seem very simple, but it carries incredible weight. Over the next four weeks, we're going to walk through four songs that will help guide us to the birth of Jesus. And today we start with a song from Mary, the mother of Jesus, a song of hope. Before we jump into that and unpack it, I would just ask, would you pray with me one more time? Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We pray that you would speak to us as you are the word, through the word. God, would you fill us with hope today? Hope Even in the midst of whatever we're facing, even in the midst of questions, uncertainties, doubt, you know where you find us today, that we we all may be coming in here in a different place, with different things in our mind, with different tensions. And God, you know our heart, and you are so patient with us, and you're so kind to us in, in the midst of it. God, just meet us where we are today. We know that you will. We trust that you will. Holy Spirit, Would you move today in a powerful way? Would you speak to us today in a powerful way, Jesus? Would you give us hope today? And hope not only for ourselves, but hope that carries to those around us. Jesus, we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. All right, we're going to jump in. You heard it read. We're in Luke Chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 39. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste, quickly, into the hill country to a town in Judah. Now we need to set this up real quick. Mary, a young teenager, not born of nobility, living in a small town, is visited by the angel Gabriel, who informs her that she's been chosen to carry the very Son of God, the Messiah sent to save the world. And oh, by the way, Mary's not married. She's engaged to be married to a carpenter who is also just a teenager. Seems like we're set up for a lifetime made for TV movie here, right? This will not be an easy season in Mary's life. It will mean an even more difficult season 33 years later when she sees that her very son, her beloved son, is persecuted and put to death. So what is Mary's response to all of this? Amongst what I'm sure were also feelings of doubt, fear, anxiety. I mean, can you imagine this? Well, if you look back at verse 38, you actually see her response to what the angel tells her. Here's what it says. Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Why? Why would Mary respond like this? Why would she accept this? Something that would actually cost her greatly. It would cost her reputation among many. It would cost her comfort. It would cost her future plans. Because her hope wasn't found in her reputation. Because her hope wasn't found in her comfort. It wasn't found in her plans. 
It was found in her God. And we'll see this unfold as we continue. Verse 40 says, She entered the house of Zechariah and she greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So Elizabeth is Mary's cousin who is also pregnant, not just with any baby, but with John the Baptist, the one who was prophesied to come before Jesus that would make the way for him. And I think there's something so important not to miss here, but to pick up on in how Elizabeth actually greets Mary and what she says. She uses the word, if you notice, blessed several times in her greeting. Now, let's just step back again for a minute. Many, if not most, from the outside, not knowing how this exactly would play out, would look at Mary's situation and see it as a disaster, not a blessing. I mean, think about even Joseph. When he hears this news, he's like, man, I'm just going to divorce Mary quietly. Like, this is, this is a nightmare. This can't be, be true, right? But, but we don't see that here. Oh, Mary, I'm sorry. I can't imagine what people are going to say. I can't imagine how difficult this is going to be for you and Joseph. One thing is so clear here, that both Mary and Elizabeth, they see the big picture. They see beyond just the very immediate. They see that what God is doing and will do is so much bigger than any challenge faced. I want to encourage you just for a moment, because I think we need it. I know I need it on a daily basis as we walk through uh, a time that's very interesting, a time that can be very difficult. I just want to encourage you this morning that God is bigger than this year. That God, his plans far outreach a pandemic. That he still loves his kids. That hasn't moved a bit. That he still has good for his kids that he still controls the sun, the moon, and the stars that we live under, that he hasn't turned his back on us, he isn't punishing us, that was already poured out on Jesus, that he loves you today just as much as he did yesterday and that he ever will. In a difficult season, not losing sight of the bigger picture allows us to not only be emotionally and spiritually present, but to praise God in the here and now. And that's exactly what Mary is about to do. Here's what it says, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. We live in a world that tries to tell us, put your hope in your relationships. Put your hope in your job. Put your hope in your salary. Put your hope in your position. Put your hope in the money in the bank. Put your hope in your abilities. Put your hope in your health. And the list goes on and on and on. We're being told to buy hope in all sorts of different places. But what Mary declares here is that real, lasting hope isn't found in any 
of these things. Her reason for singing isn't because her life just got easier. It's because her life is found in his leading to her joy. And here's the big idea for us today, that hope centered on Jesus allows us to persevere through the challenges of life and keeps us from missing out on the joy in front of us. Her hope is the one in the one who her ancestors spoke of. The one who is coming to save the world. The one that Jeremiah talks about in the Old Testament. He says, in those days and at a time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. Where can you find real lasting hope? It's in the righteous branch. It's in the better Adam. It's in the better David. It's in the one who came to seek and to save. It's in Jesus. And who is this hope for? Look at verse 50. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud In the thoughts of their hearts, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich have been sent away empty. This promised Savior is going to turn the world completely on its head. Unlike other religious leaders and beliefs, Jesus is coming to offer forgiveness, freedom, grace, compassion, peace, love, joy, and hope, ultimately mercy to those who have been good enough, to those who are rich, to those with high stature, to those who come from the right family, to those who have a good background, to those of a certain color of skin, a certain age, a certain sex. No. He is coming to offer eternal life. He is coming to offer mercy to any man, woman, or child who will humble themselves to this gracious king who comes as a servant, who will trust in him even when our trust wanes, even in when our faith is weak over our fears, over our doubts, over our failures and our circumstance. And that includes you as you sit here today. And if you hold this kind of hope in this Savior, Jesus, this verse also shows us it's not just for you. That it would go from generation to generation. Parents, it's for your kids. They're looking to you to see where you place your hope. And you can bet they're absolutely picking up on it. Aunts, uncles, grandparents, siblings, that we would pass this hope down from generation to generation to generation. I would even say, especially in the season that we're in, really in any season, that we would also take this hope from community to community, from neighbor to neighbor, that it wouldn't be something that just sits idly within ourselves, but it's a hope that has to come out. And you know when hope shines the most brightly? In the darkest. And so this season that we're in, we could say this is a hopeless season. But yet in the midst of it, could it be a season where God actually wants his church to shine more brightly than it has in so long that we would be a beacon of hope to the community around us who's desperately searching for hope? That we wouldn't bury our head, that we wouldn't white knuckle it and simply try to get through it, but that even as we crack and even as we struggle, would it be room to show growth, 
growth in our faith, growth in who we trust, and would we be that hope from generation to generation. And even if you're the first in your generation, what an opportunity you have to continue that hope down, to begin a legacy of hope, a legacy of faith, a legacy of trust in Jesus. Mary ends her prayer here, her hymn here, her Magnificat, which means hymn, her song of praise by saying this, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Hope can be difficult. Sometimes it's easier not to hope at all. Can we just admit that? We'll acknowledge that. Because it requires a vulnerable and open heart. There's this great quote from one of my favorite movies um, called Shawshank Redemption. It's a Christmas classic, if you haven't checked it. No, it's not. (laughs) But there's this amazing quote. If you know the movie, if you've watched it, there are these two characters. There are more than two. But um, specifically, there's this conversation happening between Red, who has been in prison for a long time on a life sentence, and Andy, who just recently uh, shows up there. And Andy absolutely believes that he's going to get out and that things are going to be better And Red says this amazing line. He says, hope is a dangerous thing. Hope changes us in the present because it means looking forward to the future with expectation. And expectation can sound pretty risky. When we anticipate something, I remember being a kid and and I knew that we were going to get a dog for Christmas. And it didn't take away the tension of wanting a dog it built on the, intention, the tension of anticipating what was going to happen until it happened. Hope keeps us holding on and looking forward, remembering what God has done in the past and the promises that he's kept and is keeping. Let me say this. Sometimes even, because I think this is important, Even when we remember all that he's done in our life, all that he's done in others' lives, we go back and we see the Old Testament, all that he's done in history past, sometimes that doesn't change our circumstance. Anyone experience that? Sometimes we have to accept that it's beyond our understanding right now, and yet we keep trusting. It's important in these times that we realize acceptance isn't denial. Acceptance isn't meant to minimize or diminish our pain, our questions, our doubts, and to push our feelings way down deep. Acceptance is an acknowledgement of where things are, and at the same time, the belief that God is with us in it and will carry us through it. And we place our hope in him. You notice Mary finishes her song here by pointing us back. She reminds us that God has been good on his promises. She goes back to our fathers, to Abraham, right? There can be this false idea that Christianity is unintelligent because it's based solely on myths or feelings, whereas science is based on reason and rationale. I want to say this, hope is never pulled out of thin air. It's based on a history with God that gives us glimpses of God's character and shows us why we should still continue to hope in him in 2020. It's never based on our wishful thinking or just positive feelings. What it comes down to is this amazing question, important question, can I trust the one who's making the promise? People have been asking this question long before us, and when the answer is yes, 
The response is faith. Look at this. By faith, Noah obeyed God and built an ark, saving his family. By faith, Abraham and Sarah received the son God promised them, even though they were too old to bear children. By faith, Joseph overcame betrayal, slavery, false accusations, and imprisonment to save the nation of Israel. By faith, God's people left Egypt and walked through the Red Sea, and it parted on each side for them. By faith, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho, and the walls came down. And these weren't perfect people. They all had struggles. They had doubts. They made mistakes. They had flaws. They had weakness, but they all had one thing in common. They put their hope in God and they persevered in faith, waiting on God to show that he's trustworthy again and again and again. That God has a perfect track record of keeping his promise that goes all the way back to Genesis and it stretches all the way into our life today. No, it doesn't always look the way that we expect or we would prefer, and we often don't see the whole picture unfold, but if we did, we wouldn't really need faith, would we? The God that has kept his promises in the past is keeping his promises in the present. And he's saying this, I'm not going to let you go. I'm with you in it, whatever that is today, whatever you carried in here today, whatever you've been carrying during this past season. He's not letting go of you. If you're a child of his, he's not letting go. And if you're not a child of his, he invites you to be one. Even with your doubts, even with your fears, even with your questions, even with your confusion, he says, come to me, all who are weary. I'm going to give you rest. He offers that to us. That the God who has kept his promises in the past, he's keeping his presence. And even even when it's hard to believe, even on our lowest dates, he's still working for our good. So where is real and lasting hope found? It's not through a spouse. It's not through a job. It's not through enough cash. It's not through a career. It's not through a government. It's not through the end of a pandemic. Better days are coming through Jesus. The baby born of a virgin that would grow up and take the sins of the world on his back. The only righteous one that would endure all of the injustice the world could put on him. And yet he would overcome. We don't put our hope in a dead God. We put our hope in the risen Son of Man who is now seated on his throne. And this is the kind of real and lasting hope that leads to real and lasting joy. You can see this in Mary's song. You can see this in the life of Jesus. The question for us today is, can we see it in our own life? As we walk through this season of Advent, of waiting and longing and rejoicing and and hoping, there are a lot of places that you can choose to place your hope. But are they trustworthy? Do they have the power to keep what they're promising you? Is Jesus at the center of your hope? All of your hope for today, for tomorrow, for eternity. For me, this year hasn't been one of mind-blowing revelations, but more of needed reminders. Two questions as we wrap up today for all of us. What do you need to hand over? Is there something that in this season, over this year, maybe even longer than that, you've been holding on to that you need to hand over, that you need to trust Jesus with? that you need to place your hope in him and not your own ability to fix it, to solve it, to change it, or someone else's or something else's? Could today be a day of relief, 
a day of taking that weight off of your shoulders that you have not been able to carry and hand it over to the one who can. And secondly, how do you need to step forward in faith? And I know it can be tough and I know it can be challenging, but what is Jesus inviting you into? Where is he saying, trust me in this, trust me with this? Trust me with your family. Trust me with your job. Trust me with your questions, with your doubts, with your fears. What does it look like to step forward today? Hope is a powerful thing when it's directed in the right place. I love this quote from Tim Keller. It says, a living hope enables us to have both sorrow and joy. Our living hope is an inheritance achieved for us by Christ. This is the hope in Mary's song, the hope of the long-expected Jesus and our hope as a church because Jesus has come and he's coming again. Hope centered on Jesus allows us to persevere through the challenges of life and it keeps us from missing out on the joy in front of us. Hope is not lost. Our hope is in our King. Jesus, we thank you for being our hope. We thank you for offering us hope. We thank you that you are steadfast, that you stand firm, that you are good on your promises. Would you again meet us where we are today, where we've had doubts, where we've had fears, where we've had questions, where we've just lacked in faith and and, and it feels so trying. Would you meet us there? Would you reassure us? Would you have us look back on our past and see where you've been faithful? Would you have us look back on on historical past and see where you've been faithful, even in the darkest times that you were and have been and will be the light? Jesus, for anyone who doesn't know you, who doesn't have a relationship with you, who's been looking for hope in different places, who's searching and it feels like it's just too much, would today be the day of handing their life to you? saying, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. It's tiring. Jesus, would you take all of my baggage, all of my stuff, all of my worries, anxieties, fears, would you take all of my shortcomings, all of my sin, all of it? Would you give me hope? Would you show me mercy? Would you give me new life? Jesus, you've promised that you will. Would that be true today? And would we as a church go out from here, even in this season especially in this season, would we go out and would we be a people of hope? Not a hope in our circumstance, not a hope that goes up and down and all over the place, but a hope that is steady, a hope that is assured in Jesus, who you are, your life, your death, your resurrection, and the life you offer us. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for your goodness. We pray this in your amazing name. Amen.